Mr. President, you need to put your pants on. It's, it's time for your speech. What's the speech about? It's about the virus, Mr. President. Oh, yes. My, 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 Corona. Hello and welcome to this dangerous podcast. My name is Johnny Maunders. I'm Maya Wakefield. And this is episode four. Wow. It's great that we made it episode four. We haven't cancelled. We don't We don't cancel for no virus. Am I allowed to say the C word this week, Mike? Um, yeah. But I think it'd be really difficult not to say it. Yeah. <laughs> you um, managed it last week. Just I managed it last week. A lot of things have been cancelled. So I think it's, you know, we're doing our bit to society by not cancelling. Yeah, well, we might pick up a few new viewers. Everyone's going to be at home, you know. Exactly. Wondering what to do, and we're gonna we're gonna get new listeners, not viewers, and we're gonna. You know, <laughs> I hope we don't get viewers. The danger is we might run out of material. No, um, we will never run out of material. No, okay, obviously. I mean, we'll, we'll, we will create news. What an absolutely ridiculous. We'll thing create to say. news like that film Nightcrawler if we have to. So lots of things happening in the world, obviously due to coronavirus. Lots of things cancelled. Lots of things postponed. Lots of people working from home. Tell your mates about the, this dangerous podcast. Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're working on. from home, uh, you are bored as hell because you don't want to go. You know, there's nothing going on. You can't meet up your friends. Put us in your ears. Put us in your ears. It's where I was born to be. That sounds wrong in every possible way. It's about yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but do it. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play. We're out there. We are out there, loud and proud. Come on. So okay, let's let's kick off with our most dangerous person of the week Maya Wakefield off you go oh I'm going for a bit of a left of centre one here a musician called Chewbacca Hutchins he's um just clarify that's not Chewbacca no Chewbacca S-H-A-B-A-K-A I really want to do a Chewbacca Hutchings not Hutchings like in excess Michael Hutchins Hutchings H-U-T-C-H-I-N-G-S Chewbacca Hutchins he is uh, he's born in Barbados, moved to Britain about when he was 10, grew up sort of in Birmingham, and he is virtuoso, saxophone and flute player, flautist, should say, we good word, flautist. Okay. And he has just really he's in three different bands, uh, The Comet is Coming, um, Shabaka and the Ancestors, who've just had a new album, and... Uh, I mean, their album, Sons of Kemet. Sons of Kemet, uh, whose uh, album, My Queen is a Reptile, uh, from the end of 2018, is a sublime record. Each track is named after a different uh, sort of alternative queen. Say, for instance, My Queen is Doreen Lawrence or My Queen is Harriet Tubman. And there's just some fantastic tracks on there. He's incredible. He's got a new album this week with his band, The Ancestors, who tend to sort of, I think, many of the other musicians in the band are from South Africa. He's got a very African... Uh, feel to it and I don't know he's just uh, he's not just an incredible musician he's a you know his music's very political he's someone who's you know clearly thinks very deeply about society uh, on all aspects on all levels particularly issues of race and immigration as were reflected in an interview that he did this week in the old Grawny ad which I'd like to read a short quote from this was towards the end and I think it hopefully goes some way to or speaks to what we're trying to do on this show a little bit and it says uh, people think their history is finite but it is something that needs to be explored constantly it needs to be challenged and sometimes set alight so we don't continue to make the same mistakes 
I thought the idea of setting history alight was quite um, dangerous. Yeah, that's what we do. Yeah. That's what we do. We're setting the world alight <laughs> um, through the airwaves. So yeah, Shabaka Hutchins. If you don't know him, I'm sure lots of you do. Um, if you don't, just check him out. Just type in Shabaka or The Comet Is Coming or Sons of Kemet into your whatever way of you listen to music and check him out. He's an incredible guy. I'm going to check him out tonight. I'm going to listen tonight. Yeah, it might not be for everyone, but I hope you like I think, I think You should never say that. When you like recommend something to someone and you say... You, mean you might not like them. That's like saying. Uh, well, no. To be fair, because my friend took me to see them. Yeah. Yeah. Big up my friend Hugh because he showed me jazz music. I didn't like it. I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't into jazz music, and he was like, "You're gonna like jazz music," and I was like, "No, I'm not." And he was like, "You're gonna like jazz music." That's just like what happened to me. To be honest, yeah. I never liked jazz music, and then I went to like a went to a jazz concert, and I suddenly really liked it. Yeah, and that's what happened. He took me to see this guy, and I was like, "Whoa, uh, okay, I like that." And then. Yeah, I mean, I've since got into other jazz, but this was a sort of gateway. Um, gateway drug to jazz. Done. Who's your person of the week, Johnny? My person of the week is... Well, not your person of the week, you're the dangerous person my of the dangerous week. Don't forget there, the danger. There are a lot of people of the week. There are no dangerous... There are only one dangerous person of the week, as far as I'm concerned. And that is Mark Ruffalo. Um, Mark Ruffalo is the star and producer, I believe, of the new film Dark Waters which I saw recently, I believe you saw as well. Strong film, yeah. It's about, it's about the lawyer Robert Ballot who ended up taking DuPont, uh, the chemical company, to court, basically over poisoning the water supply in Parkersburg, West Virginia, as part of DuPont's uh, production of Teflon. They were using a chemical called PFA, PFOA, which is poisonous to humans or toxic to humans, and they were putting it, dumping it in the water supply. And this film was about the court case, which took years and years I think it took over about, about 12 years I think it took yeah, um, probably, yeah. it's a really really inspiring film and it ch- it's, a, it's a film that shows you how rigged the establishment is in mm. favour of big businesses and how rigged and how difficult it is for ordinary people to get justice and fight against the establishment or fight against the machine but it also shows you why you should fight exactly and it also shows you there are victories there to be had and in the end obviously I don't want to give away any spoilers but it's a real story so there is spoilers he ends up winning eventually they make a, they come to an agreement DuPont comes to an agreement that if an independent scientific panel finds that the tainted water has caused damage to humans that they will do medical monitoring which basically means that they will pay for treatment medical treatment that people got it took seven years for that scientific study to to come out and eventually they did conclude that the tainted water led to all sorts of diseases particularly cancer and it's in almost every one of us yeah exactly it's, it's about in 99 of living 99 of it obviously it was a lot obviously it was a lot higher in Bogsberg than it is for for most people but then once that scientific study was released dupont then backed out of the agreement that they made mm-hmm. and so robert ballot had basically had to take them to court I think from like several individual cases and one of those individual cases before then DuPont ended up conceding and, and giving over the money. One of the remarkable things I thought was the fact that, you know, he was obviously part of the system. He was yeah. working for Taft. Taft. The That's big, Taft the, law. one of the big major US law firms. And, you know, he only got into this, I believe it's all a true story, through uh, his grandma yeah. and a local farmer living near his grandma. And then, remarkably, he managed to convince his boss to, to allow him to take on this case. And he ended up fighting the system from within. And it is, it's quite a remarkable story. 
It's an inspiring um, story, but it's also a really good film as well. Like, if you just want to Griffin. see a good film, it's really well directed, really well acted by Ruffalo, Tim Robbins, and Anne Hathaway. Yeah, um, I thought your point about uh, spoilers was interesting as well because we should all know about that. Yeah, exactly. That should be a story exactly. that we all know about. Exactly, we should all know about this. And, and what was interesting to me is that I didn't know about it. No, or I certainly like. didn't really have a, a kind of concrete knowledge about it, and we really should know about it. Seeing as it's something that actually is still affecting, um, we should know about it. But also what surprised me is that the film has got Mark Ruffalo is a big star, he's attached to it. It's got it's quite a sort of commercial, mainstream sort of There's been a lot of adverts for it on the A gym. lot of adverts to it. It's got it's it's not like a small independent film which is sort of struggling to be released. It's no. it's a big film. Yeah. Which is really surprising. You you, you just don't expect it, really. You don't expect no, it, and it's great. Hopefully this is, you know, hopefully this is a sign that films like this can be made. Mark Ruffalo, um, is, he seems to be one, he's one of those blokes now for me where it's like, he seems to be doing so much good that I'm worried that behind the scenes there's something bad going on because he's like, he seems to be like just, he's definitely yeah, one of those people that you think, wow, this guy, in this day and age, anyone like that, you're always a bit, I'm always a bit like, yeah, what are they going to do? What's going on in, what's going on behind the scenes? Um, but, you know, it's, no, it's great, he's a mainstream actor, obviously he's the Incredible Hulk in, in the Marvel uh, films, but he's also a Bernie supporter, mm-hmm. really good on, across the board on political uh, issues. Um, Environmental issues. In yeah, and he's not one of these people that says it quietly and then, you know, if he's asked about it, he will talk about it mm-hmm. and that is really, really great and we hope it continues, we hope that he inspires other actors to follow suit. Definitely, actually, just quickly, I watched a um, film Weirdly, a few days after that, I've been wanting to watch for years about uh, Karen Silkwood, the nuclear uh, campaigner. And it's quite similar in, in, in mould and stuff. Um, and similar in the fact that Meryl Streep's in it. Yeah, it's not really that well. I think it's quite well known amongst a certain older generation. But nowadays, it's almost, you can't really find it. Very difficult to find. I tried to order a DVD a few years ago and Amazon said, oh, we can't find a copy. We're looking in our way and never turned up. And it's just a bit like weird. Anyway, I found it online. It's suggesting that Amazon is complicit in the cover-up. There's, I mean, there was a definite cover-up around what happened to Karen Silkwood, if you don't know, look into it. And watch the film. I recommend the film. But yeah, Mark Ruffalo, dangerous guy. Dangerous guy. Where's your dangerous place of the week then, John? My dangerous place of the week is Iran. Iran, as many will know, is at the moment decimated by the coronavirus. I'm allowed to say it, so I'm going to say it. It's third on the list of cases. But actually, if you look at new cases, it's top of that table. Mm-hmm. If you look at new reported deaths, it's top of that table. Mm-hmm. And there are lots of specul- there's a lot of speculation that that's actually underreported. There may be far more than that. Mm-hmm. But it's not just a story of that. It's a story of the sanctions that have been placed on Iran by America, by Donald Trump, over the last year, which are completely exacerbating the effects of the coronavirus. It, it basically means huge medical shortages in Iran. Basic medical supplies, Basic medical like supplies hand sanitizer, ventilators, yeah. things that are essential in dealing with a disease like this. So it's absolutely awful that Trump is seemingly refusing to lift the sanctions on Iran because they are causing unnecessary deaths. You know, there's there's no two ways about it. That you know, blood is on Trump's hands because if you, if you can't if you can't access surgical masks, if you can't access ventilators, if you can't access medication, if you can't access testing kits it's going to lead to more deaths and we've already seen it's, it's reaping havoc for the, the Iranian government but it's actually you know but it's more than that that's that's the bit that gets the news coverage but actually you look at the thousands of Iranians that have contracted the disease and the high mortality rate that's got that this is really worrying this could get worse and worse and worse it could decimate the country as much as it is an issue of Trump and he has definitely uh, strengthened sanctions against Iran it's also the American 
establish or political establishment in general they've had Iran under sanctions since I think 19 well post Iraq Iran war yeah. if, if not during the Iran Iraq war so they've had them under sanctions for well almost 40 years if not more now and you know these problems have always existed they've obviously now just been exactly you know sharpened heightened by yeah. by the coronavirus and and I, I guess the point is that whatever you think about Iran politically whether you're against or pro Iran you it's have to register. You have to recognize that doesn't this come into it. Really. Yeah, exactly. This is about you know these are innocent lives yeah. that are being taken because of these sanctions, and, and it's and horrifying. So it wouldn't be difficult to lift them. Yeah. No, exactly. Like their 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 financial their largely financial mechanisms thing or just rules of law. They could be lifted pretty much overnight. Yeah, it's not that the suppliers would necessarily get there overnight, but they would probably get there within weeks in this sort of emergency case. Exactly. It, well, the, it the, could the, happen. But what's interesting no, is the U.S. administration says that their sanctions do not apply to humanitarian aid or whatever. But the sanctions basically limit Iranian buying power, completely limit Iranian buying power, and also have completely dissuaded European companies from doing business in Iran, which basically means it's almost impossible for Iran to import the goods that it needs, the medical goods that it needs. So whatever America says on this, they are responsible and can do something about it, and yet they choose not to. I'm just going to... Oh, this is probably a bit bad, but I'm just going to do a shameless plug. Um... I uh, wrote a little pamphlet recently for Stop the War Coalition. Uh, it's called A Short History of Western Intervention in Iran. Um, and it sort of details the history of this for the last hundred and... I think I trace it back to 1908 in the pamphlet. So Go read it. Yeah, you can get it on the Stop the War website. Very well, very well written and researched. Oh, thanks. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I just thought, shameless plug, it seems like. I'm not going to get a better opportunity to plug it anywhere else. So yeah. So yeah. So that's, so that's no problem. That's my <laughs> most dangerous place, Iran. What is your most dangerous place, Maya? Um, I've gone with these Signet centres. There, Signet Healthcare is a US health firm who, relatively small actually, they, they um, have an annual turnover of three hundred and seventy-five million pounds. Mm. Hundred million of that comes from our NHS to provide uh, wow. care in mental in mental health. Uh, homes. We've always said mental health, first of all. Mental health uh, care homes is what I want to say. And shock horror, they've been driving them into the ground. Um, three of their centres, I believe they run about 20 centres around the country, three of them have had no manager for the six months. Wow. And there was a panorama uh, done on them in May of 2019. It found uh, what one staff member in a facility in Durham called uh, he, he was a staff member. He called the patients a bunch of mongs. Bloody hell. Um, there's been a massive increase in the use of restraint in the facilities that are run by them. Some of them are found not to be clean. Staff aren't being paid very well. It's sort of the classic case of privatisation. And they sound, to be honest, like pretty dangerous places to be. And, you know, these are people who are already vulnerable in our society. And they're just being exposed, basically, to lack of care lack of investment and it's just exactly the opposite when at a time when mental health is such a prominent issue and such not just a prominent issue but such a widespread and well it's such a problem in our society essentially that the fact that we're putting the most vulnerable people in in our society into care homes like this is really a disgrace and they're dangerous places that could be much better run by a system that doesn't care for profit and isn't about generating revenue for any companies anywhere private companies around the world and i don't know the article came from solomon hughes who's a good journalist in the morning star i recommend 
checking it out if you can it goes into far more detail than I can give here but they're dangerous places and Signet has no place in our NHS and should skedaddle definitely no place in our NHS this week Boris Johnson suggested that the government's plan to deal with the spread of coronavirus could be to develop a herd immunity in quotation marks perhaps Boris can only concentrate if he thinks of us as bewildered farm animals However, scientists have said that this would involve 47 million people contracting the virus, with over 1 million deaths. They've also said that the strategy hasn't been proven to work on the virus because they don't know its long-term effects on the immune system. As plans go, it has to be like saying, Right, men, today we're not going to fight the enemy. Instead, just try and get used to being hit by their bullets. So, this is the point of the show where we, we ask the question of the week. Basically. Oi, oi. Based on something of in the news, um, I initially decided thought we have a question on who to quarantine, but then I realised <laughs> why I realised that. <laughs> that we've already done that. Um, we were sat here going, "We don't know," and then we realised. What's funny that is that we nearly asked that same question last week as well. So. Johnny took down Piers Morgan. I'm sure you. Yeah. I'm sure all you previous took, listeners. You, took, you quarantined all dogs. I don't think our listeners will have forgiven you for that. Yet. No, probably not. Um, so, Sorry, guys. yeah. So maybe it's just because it feels sort of like a Groundhog Day with with coronavirus because every day seems a bit worse than the day before so we can't forget but actually we come up with a new question which is not even to do with coronavirus at all hey what is it so recently prince harry got duped by some russian impressionists oops um, <laughs> not the first one to be uh, who were they uh, meant to be oh greta thunberg oh they were meant to be greta thunberg yeah, and her dad yeah, weren't yeah, they yeah. yeah and so they asked him sort of all sorts of questions and he he didn't answer them too badly to be fair to him no but it, it was quite funny but they've done this before someone else yeah they've they? done loads they've done quite a few people was near Boris when he was um, foreign secretary he was possibly yeah, yeah when Boris was foreign secretary and they called they've done quite a few people they yeah must be relatively well connected it's, I mean they're obviously really good at their job so it obviously can be slightly terrible if used in the wrong way this one wasn't yeah I mean obviously uh, yeah anyway <laughs> but um, <laughs> the question of the week is thus Thus, that's not very, yeah, much, all very nice. Who would we want to spill their beans to this, to these Russian impressionists? Who's first? You go first. Right, I'm going with Graham Norton. <laughs> he has so many good guests on his show, and I was, uh, it goes back a bit to the Mark Ruffalo thing. So I'm thinking Mark Ruffalo is such a good guy. I wonder what he's like behind the scenes. I want someone to ask Graham Norton to spill the beans on people like Mark Ruffalo, just other people that he has on his show. I'd like to know what Jamie Foxx is like. Who else did he have on recently? Robert De Niro. Who came across as a bit of a, a bit of a grumpy old man? He's so I'll like quiet whenever he's on like a thing, doesn't he? Yeah. He never just like sits there going. Yeah, and I thought it was a bit. Uh, but behind the scenes, I can actually imagine him being really nice and friendly. The opposite. Um, so basically, I just want Graham Norton to spill the beans on all the celebs and people that he has on his show. Go on, Graham, spill the beans. I'm sure he's got some great. Yeah, stories. I'm sure he's got some fantastic. Also, I'd like to know what he's like a little bit as well behind the scenes because yeah. he comes across great, and I do actually really like him for my sins. So I'd like to know, obviously it would give a good impression of, of, of him as a person as well. So I'd like to know that. So, so I'm going yeah. Graham Norton. And you, Johnny? Yeah, if you've got his phone number. Me if and you've Johnny got Graham Norton's phone number. Yeah, we can make a good We'll, we'll make it happen. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to go for Melania Trump. Oh. Perhaps not a surprise. Just because, just because, yeah, hashtag free Melania. Just because I'm sure that she knows things that would stop the world in its tracks. Definitely. And I think it would also, there would also be some really funny stories. And I think the whole he world wants to know. on the what, wrong way round every morning. <laughs> I think the world wants to know what the Donald is, what he thinks, or if he thinks. What, what does he do? Like, who is he? 
And I, and so I think I think that'd be brilliant. I, I think the, the sad truth is I think if she did speak, it would probably be very underwhelming. But yeah. but would love that to happen. Not necessarily love, though. It would be it would definitely be interesting. Whatever happens, it would be really really interesting. So guys, if you're listening, phone Melania Trump. Prince Harry was actually alright about Donald Trump. I know. What did he say? He said he was like wrecking the world, and he's like one of the oh, people who's wrecking the world. Oh, when, when you said alright about Donald Trump, I thought you meant he was. No, like, no, nice no. I mean, as in like he yeah, was, politically he was, right. Yeah, he was on song. Um, well, he probably he probably believes that. Well, yeah, well that kind of surprised me. I, I, I tend to give them no credit. So. Do you think that all gingers stick together? No, it's not. It's got nothing to do with ginger hair. I come from a ginger family, Jonathan. Okay, right? good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'm just trying to think what. Well, we haven't done. We yeah, haven't right, done right, there, yeah, I know. I, we missed it. No, <laughs> oh, what's going on here? I think we need some control it's, in the it's, chair, it's please. The virus. It's the virus. Oh, no, no, no. Okay, so who is in danger next week? Go on. I'm going to say. This podcast is in danger next week. Oh! Because obviously the virus, everything's been cancelled. I did think about cancelling this week's, but no, we. He makes the decisions around. I make the decisions. It's not no. <laughs> no. It's a democracy. I thought about it. Um, we have two people. It's quite <laughs> took, difficult. Took the executive decision. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about it, and then I made a decision. I'm really hopeful that we will be able to do a show next week. I think. I think we are duty bound to do a show, yeah. but at the same time, if one of us is ill, then obviously we won't do a show. And the obvious danger is that ever since we started doing this dangerous podcast, everything has got infinitely more dangerous. Yeah, you said that earlier. Things have got worse since we so have started doing this podcast. Maybe we should stop and see if. Like, are we injecting danger into the world? Are we causing That's this? That's what I mean. That's what I'm starting to. Yeah, I mean, ego or what? But <laughs> <laughs> do, you think, do you think it's our podcast? The problem is, if we do this, we're still going to get like threatening phone calls saying like, oh, like <laughs> we're not going to stop the virus until you end the podcast. Or what happens if we stop the podcast and then the virus stops? Do, do we then go back to making it? Or I mean, what happens yes, then, guys? we go back. The podcast is infinitely more important than the virus. <laughs> you said what? Exactly. So I, I firmly believe that we will try and record next week. And all, yeah, obviously, another problem that we have to consider is that it might, might get to a point where there's nothing to, else to talk about. So, no, we'll do you guys want us to talk about the disease that's stopping you from going to the cinema and going? And to any matches? suggestions you can get us on on the old socials, can't you? Yeah, you can message us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. So get in touch. We should any, create like a Discord group in, in time. A Discord group. Yeah, it's like a kind of group chat for people. That want to talk to us? All right. A lot of podcasts do that. So could we'll go do, wrong quickly. In time, we'll do that. <laughs> so what do you think? Could go wrong quite quickly. Could go wrong, particularly yeah. if I'm involved. <laughs> uh, could go wrong very quickly. But yeah, so I think this podcast, this dangerous podcast, is in danger next week. Oh, I hope not. I think we're going to stick at it. I think we're we're strong. We're healthy lads. We're strong. We need to look after. In the words of Gloria else. Gaynor, I will survive. Yeah. And we need to be vigilant for those who might be more vulnerable, I guess. That's the definitely, and also, the definitely, definitely. And, you know, if you've got if elderly relatives, you make sure they're, you know, they've got food, make sure they've got supplies and keep, you know, keep in contact with everybody, guys. Yeah. It's spread the love. Yeah, that is true. Spread actually, love, not diseases. With older people where they you know they don't have so much social contact, you know, things can, you know, a lot of old people don't get visits and stuff exactly. every week, so... Maybe it might be a good thing to be able. I know. Just phone, phone if you've got a grandmother or something. Phone her up. You know, just because just because you don't want you know you're scared of giving them the virus doesn't mean you can't speak to them. Doesn't mean you can't call them. Give her send, a ring. Send them some supplies. Give Nana a ring. Yeah, give Nana a ring. <laughs> Hashtag 
That's going to be the title for the episode. <laughs> anyway, Mara, who is in danger for you next week? Bit, well, a very sad story, really. The father of the England rugby player, Joe Kokonasiga, his dad is called Elashia Kokonasiga. And he is a, well, he's born in Fiji. And he's served 14 years in the British Army. He's done tours of Iraq and Afghanistan. Like, regardless of what you think of that, he's obviously served in the British Army. His son... This obviously really isn't that relevant in some ways again as well. But his son plays rugby and I think their other son is an up-and-coming rugby player as well for England, did fantastically in the World Cup. And worst of all, his wife is currently dying, has cancer and is dying. And the British Home Office, shock horror, well, actually shock horror, it is shock horror. It's completely it is shock horror, horror isn't it? is not letting him back into the country on completely spurious grounds from what I've read, there's a whole history of this happening from people on islands like Fiji who then served in the British Army and have tried to have raised children here or have tried to come here following their service in the army and haven't been allowed back into the country, which it really shouldn't be. It really should be a, a shocking, truly shocking story, unfortunately, with having the Windrush scandal and, well, just the reputation of the Home Office in general under the Conservative government. Well, just no, general, full stop, to be honest. It's not that shocking, but actually, you know... But in many ways, that's the most the most shocking part of this yeah. is that it isn't shocking. It's almost normalised. Yeah. yeah. I don't know, if someone who served 14 years in the British Army, whatever you think of that, whatever you think about those wars were righteous, whatever, and it just beggars belief that someone whose wife is now ill and is has terminal or terminal cancer is not being allowed back into the country to spend time with that person is yeah. just how can policy disturbing be, to be that cruel it's so cruel that is it it's cruelty and i hope that he will be allowed to come and see his family see his uh, wife and spend time with his kids and be allowed to stay here indefinitely along with a number of the other servicemen who have who have had similar treatment so those are the people in danger for me this week I'm sure there's like a petition for that as well somewhere. I'm sure there is yeah there should be it. should be it's the work of Amelia Gentleman again in the Groniad who um, Guardian she uncovered a lot of the Windrush scandal stuff she's yeah. a great journalist and she's uh, found she's got this story this week and it's another shocker so F the Home Office F the Home Office Okay, so this is the final part of the show when we talk about That's gonna get me traditionally <laughs> AOB, any other business, but we've changed the name to AOD, any other danger. Any which other is danger. That was idea, which is brilliant. <laughs> I'm going to go, you know, sporting events have been cancelled, okay? And this, this whole thing is unprecedented, right? Nobody know, really knows what's going on right now. And you were saying earlier that you were quite dismissive of the whole thing or didn't want to hear about it, and now you've, I've won you over, finally. Yeah, it's been you. Yeah. <laughs> it's also been pictures from Italy, videos yeah. from Italy. And it's also been the sort of laissez-faire approach of the government yeah, in comparison exactly. to other countries. Like, I've heard Norway or whatever I've been hearing. All different countries I've heard have just basically shut down. And I know we're yeah. a different society. I know London's a very active city, blah, 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 blah. But the fact is, if this disease appears to be as dangerous and as deadly as it is, what? he said he said on national television we should take it on the chin exactly and let it spread through the population exactly what but it, what? it, it really seems to me that they're putting the economy before lives yeah. you look at other countries who you know already closed schools already told people to work from home we are, that none of that's happening 
Boris's seeming and backed up by these weird, his weird sociologists, you know, economic scientists. As we well, and this is probably them. Dominic Cummings. This is probably, probably Dominic Cummings' wet dream. You yeah, it probably that. is his wet dream. This is, you know, his his mo almost is that you know he probably feels that this is a great idea to cull you know part of part of the population. Actually, the deputy, I think it was the deputy editor, editor of the Telegraph, said something along the lines of that this would be great for the economy. To well, it's only a few weeks since they had a, they employed a eugenicist. Didn't yeah, they? exactly, exactly. So they're probably I don't know, I hate to, I, he, I really hesitate and hate to say they're rubbing their hands together, but the current approach is just seems to be mm, so out of touch. Let's so wait, let's wait and see how many people die. Yeah, exactly. It's just it's, it beggars belief. The as I say, that the whole situation is unprecedented. Sporting events being cancelled. You know, for example, Premier League fixtures. No idea what's going to happen. You'd imagine the Euros are going to be cancelled. It's complete. We'd have no idea what's going to happen. Yes. And this could, and also like for example, going back to the Premier League, they've they cancelled their fixtures until the third of April. But you can't believe that it's going to be any better. It's, if anything, it's going to be a lot worse by the third of April. So you'd imagine that they will then cancel it again, or perhaps even end the season, which is going to have all sorts of problems. But it's just at the moment it feels so unjoined up, like you're getting messages yeah. about all these things being cancelled, and, and then you're going outside and everyone's still acting as if it's normal, exactly. and everyone's on the tr- on trains and tubes, and then you're thinking. Well, what's the point? I mean, I understand why people are cancelling events, but there needs to be some more joined up thinking, surely. Oh, definitely. And I think for me, the fundamental problem is that people are going to work because they need need the coin. Yeah, well, yeah. And this is the real problem. And again, is that the sick pay is so low, mm-hmm. the government are refusing to increase it. Rishi Sunak was asked whether he could live off, was it £92? Yeah, like... A week, not, um, and he refused to answer it. If the government was really serious about this, disease that's they would raise uh, sick pay you know even if it's just temporarily raise sick pay for this crisis it also relates to kind of the gig economy and totally yeah people are scared of losing their jobs and completely understandably if you work in the pub or I don't know, any precarious industry yeah and you get paid maybe cash in hand or you get paid however you're worried that you know if you do miss a shift next time you come in your boss might say look we don't have enough work see you later and people exactly. are people are right and, well. and how can you run a society like that is that the kind of society that you want to live in no okay no one should want to live in a society like that yeah. and in many ways this crisis is revealing yeah it's been a sign of we need to start putting people before the profits people before profits exactly What's your AOD? Oh, uh, a bit random. Uh, <laughs> a Tribe Called Quest. Right. You know their last album? No. Did you listen to it? They no. released an album two, three years ago. Okay. After like maybe 15 years of not making one. Yeah. And boy, is it a banging album. And I just feel like, you know, at the end of last year, there was loads of things, albums of the decade, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. And I looked through quite a few of them. And at the time, I wasn't conscious of it. So, because I, I, I don't know why you, you forget albums this whole decade, whatever. And I don't, I don't remember it being in any of these sort of top um, album things. That happens a lot, though, isn't it? Because I think often people remember sort of the things that were like marked, like a, yeah. a certain different, like and this is things that were sort of influential yeah. necessarily without necessarily being good. Yeah, or things that shocked. Yeah, like exactly. things that stood out. Yeah, which I personally do think this album st- right. But I just don't think he necessarily got the recognition it deserved. And there's so much social commentary, so much history, so much depth to it. It's also got like amazing features. Kendrick Lamar's on there, Anderson Pack's on there, Buster Rhymes. Elton John even got a feature <laughs> on there. It's a sample, really. But like, 
it's a great album and I don't know there's an album there's a, a line a five dog line who's rest in peace he says bullshit you're spewing as if this country ain't already ruined which obviously I don't think the country's ruined I'm not saying that but it's like <laughs> it was played in my head today anyway because yeah. it was like I don't blame you it's like we're in crisis it's like well it feels like we're in crisis like Owen Jones had this tweet he had this tweet where he (laughs) said it's been like for the last five years it's been like each year has been asking the previous year to hold its beer (laughs) that's quite good because like it does feel like 2020 definitely feels like that is that is the guy who's had seven pints of cider (laughs) and he's 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 ready you know he's swinging punches not landing or he's stumbling out the pub one of the two me on a Friday night speaking of which (laughs) exactly okay well that brings is he finished yeah, yeah that yeah, brings yeah. that brings our podcast to a close thank you very much for joining us and hopefully we'll be here next week for episode five yeah stay safe people stay um, safe stay dangerous mm-hmm.